0: Welcome, everybody that's listening. On, um, it's recorded also, and I always forget to turn on the button. <laughs> so I'm welcoming, welcoming you. <laughs> Hi, Donna. Hello. Donna could stand up and teach this seminar. Many of you could. So um, I'm hoping more people ramble in. It's been, it's a nice day outside. It's not quite so hot. And you knew because the sun was not quite out this morning. That's a good sign that it'll be a cooler day. So, good. Well, welcome to those of you that are here, brave moms who need encouragement probably. Um, My name is Jane, and um, my husband, Mike, is the president here at Mount Hermon. And we've been here, this is four years, but our fifth summer. So kind of fun to live here. Sometimes I drive into Mount Hermon, and I think, ooh, I can't believe I live here. And other times I drive in, and I think, oh, I can't believe I live here. (laughs) So you know, everybody has that with their places, right? So anyway, um, we're glad to be here, though. It's a great ministry, and it's a great place to live. And I I just thought I'd show you my resume, first of all, right there. That's why I am at any response, any way able to teach this class is because I have raised four, and now I'm raising five because I have a son-in-law. So I'll show you who they are. Um, Megan is our oldest daughter. And she and her husband, Eric, um, live in Colorado. And she works for a ministry there downtown and is doing a great job. And he is a chemistry teacher at a local high school. And the only reason he made it into our family is because he likes baseball. The chemistry nerd part, mm, I'm like, if you can show me how chemistry works in the kitchen, that would be really fun. And I try to encourage him to do chemistry tests, cooking tests with his kids, because I think that's just so much more fun than memorizing the, you know, table. Um, Yeah, I know. A different kind of table, right? And then Aubrey up here with a cute little nose ring is our second. I know. She showed up at camp here at Mount Hermon one year with that in her nose. And I just slapped her bottom. (laughs) And then I said, you look cute. So better that than a raging tattoo on her arm. So (laughs) I'm okay with that. Um, Aubrey works. uh, She lives in Denver also. Um, And she... um, works at Target. She is a manager at Target. She started there part-time just to supplement her income, and they just kept moving her up. And she's ready for a new job because she's not in love with retail, as you can imagine. It's not an easy job. But she does say if you go to Target, they tell you what to buy, which I think is very true and interesting. Um, Our next is Noel. Some of you might know her as Olaf. She's worked here at Mount Hermon many years. And um, she is here now. She's working part-time in the bookstore. And she works part-time at a local church down in Santa Cruz. And then Caleb, or Bronco, is our next one. And some of your kids might have Bronco. Um, He is down in day camp. He was lowering the flag yesterday. And I had to laugh as he's in a flag onesie, like the whole thing is a flag. He's lowering the flag. So um, that's, that's my resume right there for being a mom. And I'm sure you all have kids, or you wouldn't be in here. So here's my first question for you. As a mom, where do you need courage today? And you, you can actually answer out loud. To let him go to college. Let him go. go. Yeah. We've been Velcroing yeah. for 18- yeah. It's like I let go, but then it's. uh Yeah. Being a caregiver, I have to switch my brain now. Yeah. Let him go. Let him go. Let him go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I have a hard time because the one that's easy is going away to college. Oh. Is staying home. <laughs> well, she's going to college, but she's going to city college. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. So Yeah. yeah. So that's where you need courage. Yeah, we're going to talk about. We're going to talk a little about fixing our kids today. Yeah. 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 To get I would yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> yeah. Anybody else? Courage. What do you need courage in? I'll just throw something out there. My boys are 24 years apart. It's not like I haven't done this before. So I've done high school twice. 24 years apart. Yeah. But it's yeah. a whole different world. Because mine are 10 years apart, and even at 10 years, it is a, a different world. It's different experience. It's different within two years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I we did not have the social media, the texting that we right? 10 years ago. I can, I can attest to that in just having babies. Like, after we had our last girl, we were done, and we gave away all our baby clothes and things. And then voila, <laughs> I was pregnant again. And, and so I had to buy new stuff. And I didn't want new stuff at this point because it didn't matter, right? When the past fire falls on the floor, you just wipe it on your <laughs> pant leg and put it back in. But the stuff was all new, like there were new gadgets for babies that you had to have. And I'm thinking, no, I think a blanket on the floor is just about right. <laughs> so, but even in that time period, things changed so much. Well, I'm a mom who continually needs courage. And even at this point of raising my young adults, I needed it all the way through. And, and here's my, the definition that I give of courage. It's the ability to act fully on what I believe, even when I'm afraid, or when I'm not sure of the outcome. The ability to act fully on what I believe, even when I'm afraid, or when I'm not sure of the outcome. And with kids, The outcome for one is gonna be different than the outcome for the next. They're all so different, right? So you can do the same thing and it's gonna turn out to be a different shade, believe me. Um, I wanna be brave to go against the flow of culture. and that's a hard thing in today's society. And I want to be smart and educated on how to apply God's word to everyday life with my children. What I'm learning, what I'm taking in, is it coming out of me in a way that God can use it in my children's lives. Um, I think that, that is so um, important. So as I start today, I just want to add a few disclaimers, okay? First of all, I want you to know I'm a mom just like you. I don't have a PhD, except my, the letters in front of my name would be M-O-M, you know, just like you. Make No, no. Secondly, I want you to know that I am not a child psychologist. I am not a marriage counselor. I am, have no professional training, except that my whole, pretty much, adult life has been mom, right, and wife, and organizer. And organizer. <laughs> Four, well, five with a son-in-law, but, well, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you look back and you think, did I do okay? But I want to share from my experiences with you and from God's word what I've learned and and just hoping to encourage you. Courage, I want to encourage, give it to you to walk out with. Um, And thirdly, what I want to offer you is the most valuable tool that I have had in parenting. Okay, are you ready? It's so easy. And that is the refresh button, the restart button, because there are so many times in life that we're headed one way and we figure out this is not working, and we're sometimes we're too stubborn to say, "Oh, I need to like pause and restart and go in a different way." We always told, "Hi, ladies, come on in." We we always told our kids that they were or our oldest, Megan, that she's the guinea pig, right? <laughs> Because we're gonna try things on her, and if it works, we'll do it on the other three. But you know, poor kid. Then we decided that Caleb was also a guinea pig at the end because he was the last kid, and we lightened up quite a bit. You know, things changed a bit with raising him. So, this button I have hit many times in my parenting, both Mike and I. We've hit it in our marriage when we are going the wrong way, and we have had to turn, and we've had to like put the kid in front of us and say, your behavior and your acting out really is, part of that is our problem as your parent, and we're not doing well in that. So we're going to gear, restart, and we're going to go this way now. Now that is, oftentimes, I don't just hit it and go a different direction at random, because that does not work. Have you ever tried that with your Google Maps? Oh, I think I'll try to go this way. <laughs> you know, it wants to get you back. So. The idea is that you have prayed about it, you have conferred with each other, and then you hit the restart button. So you come at it together if you have a spouse to do that with, or even on your own, you come together with the Lord with that and you've thought about it, and you've prayed about it. It's not just a random restart, okay? But you might want to go buy one of those buttons. It might be a help for you. So I thought I'd start today with a fail, a mom fail, just to level the playing field, okay? Um, I could tell you about the time that I left our house um, with one of our children, and I got all the way out to the car, got buckled in, almost ready to go, and realized, oh, I just had a baby, and she's in the car seat in the living room. Like totally forgot her, you know. Or the time that um, I had all three girls at the checkout at Target, and I'm paying, and I turn and look, and one is gone, one is missing, and they shut down that store immediately, which they have a whole protocol for that, just in case you wonder. And um, they found her within seven seconds in the bathroom. So they have they have a code, everything locks, and the employees have their places they go. And they go immediately to the bathroom. Well, they may have, because we're not far in age. But anyway, so yeah, that was a mom fail. Like, I should have tied them all to the cart, even though we had the one pinky on the cart thing, you know. Like, hold your pinky as we go. (laughs) And one was tied in, so that was pretty good. I kind of look at moms who use leashes, like, in public places. Like, we do that with animals, not kids. And then... You get one, <laughs> right? You get one, and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's not such a bad thing. I'm not going to judge anymore. So, but probably my worst one, in many ways, was the morning that my daughter had a cross-country meet. She was in high school, the oldest, and she was the kind of kid that you don't talk to her in the morning until she talks to you. We learned that. That's a good rule, right? Some of them are like that. Some of you are like that. You haven't had your coffee. Don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. But I loved that. Anyway, so she was in the laundry room sitting on the floor putting her tennis shoes on and she's mad because she can't find her books and she can't find that and she hasn't eaten her breakfast and I'm just up to here and it's like seven o 'clock right she 's getting ready to go out to her bus. actually, her bus came at six thirty five so i 'm like, oh, so I may have said a bad word or called her a bad name that began with a b and some some of my girlfriends go that 's a bad word like, yes, yeah, yeah, not for your child, so I may have let her have it and told her what she was being and um the minute I did it, it was like, I could never take that back. And I feel like I just spewed stuff all over her that would scar her. And, oh, it was the worst moment for me as a mom. Um, later in the day at the cross-country meet, she ran up to me and handed me a card and then left to go run a race. But um, she had gone on her free hour at school and gotten an apology card and for her being whatever I called her, and she had given it to me. And she said, Mom, it it jostled me because you would never swear. And it's still a good thing not to do. But it turned out that God redeemed it. (laughs) Okay, that's good. Yeah. Um, There's very little in the Bible that talks about mothering, but there are many good principles that we can hold on to, like Do not use abusive language when parenting your children. There are teachings to cling to and to build a foundation on being a good mom, lots of them. And I feel like one of my jobs today is to give you courage. I want to give you courage, most of all, to believe in Jesus and live out your faith with conviction towards your children. Kind of the same way you would as you walk beside a non-Christian friend or Um, Someone that you're really trying to show Jesus to. You you know, our children come through our home and they know Jesus if they have lived in there with us. But we continually need to be processing in our heart and our head as we are training them that they learn to love him. And they learn that their sufficiency comes in who he is as God as Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that's the big part of what I want to lean in today to do. So the first thing, I did a little outline there. If it helps you, it's really just to keep you awake. So here we go. Good, good. So the first points are fill up and follow. Fill up and follow. We all have to fill up each day of motherhood by going to the power source, by going to God and meeting with him. And I mean, it seems so elementary, right? Because um, we need to do that just for our own life, our own personal life. But especially as a mom, um, if we don't spend time with Jesus, where do we think our wise words are going to come from? You know? And, and where do we think our patience is going to come from if we don't patiently take time out of our day to spend it with Jesus? And where do we think the discernment to know when something is going on in our child's life comes from? Nicole talked about that a little bit about things that your kids won't tell you, you know. And I think there's sometimes as a parent where you have discernment that something's going on, and it's it's the ability to know how to co- communicate with your kid and pull some of that out. It's so important. Um, but I tell you what, I know in my own nature, I can't do that in and of my natural self. I'm just not wise enough, and I'm not smart enough, and I'm, I'd be nosy rather than helpful, you know? And I really want to be helpful to my child. So um, I want to encourage you to find something that works. And I put three things down, time in his word, time praying, and time with other moms. So time in his word I can't, I can't um, underemphasize this or overemphasize it enough. If you're not in God's Word, you are walking on your own, <laughs> and you're not going to go very far. So every day, sometime during the day, if it's a verse that you get on an app, if it's listening in the car as you drive to work, if it's um, sitting down and having a cup of coffee and reading through a passage, find time to get into His Word. It is so helpful, and it will help you as a mom. I found um, several years ago, I was looking for a new Bible. And I work with a lot of people who are seekers of Jesus or brand new in their faith. And I wanted something that I could recommend to them. And I sat on the floor at Lifeway, and I was looking at all the Bibles. I had looked high standing, and then I sat down. I pulled a few out, and I've got them all scattered on the floor as people are walking by looking at me, but I didn't care. So I found this Bible um, in the midst of it, and it's called the Wayfinding Bible. And I, it's in the New Living Translation, which I really like because the language is easy, um, and it is a translation, not a paraphrase. So it's accurate in those ways. It's more of a thought-for-thought because thought, it's New Living. Um, but what it does is it gives... The Bible is in in regular order, but it gives three reading plans through the Bible. So it gives the the flyover route, which is the airplane, and it goes through 52 readings in the Bible in chronological order. And it gives you the big picture of the Bible. And then it has these chunks of this is kind of what this passage is about. Here's an observation historically about it, and here's an application. And it's just really simple. And you go forward and you go backwards in your Bible. And then you, when you finish your 52, then you can go back and do the direct route, and it adds in passages. So you reread it, and you add in more passages. And then it has the scenic route, which adds in even more passages. So you're doing it chronologically, so you get you know, the king and the prophet at the same time. You get David's sin and his psalm at the same time. It's very helpful for people who, you know, where do I start in the Bible? Well, you got to have the big picture. So in my midst of finding that, I started reading through it, and I've been a believer since I was 12, right? And so I get to Romans, and I'm like, Oh, that's what that means. Like, it was so clear to me and helpful. So I just read one little passage a day, and then I go to the second thing, which is time for praying. And, and seriously, that's the other part of the power source, right? We have these in the bookstore if you want one. I'm going to put it right here next to the dead bug. Um, something, something to get you filled up, um, time praying, And that's hard as a mom sometimes. Although some of you, how many of you are better at praying than you are at reading? Raise them high so I can see them. How many of you are better at reading? Yeah, see, that's me. I'm I'm a better reader-studier than I am a prayer, because I get distracted too easy. So I found I could type faster than I can write. So I'm not a good journaler. But if you put a computer in front of me, I can go really fast. So I type out my prayers. I just journal them on my computer. And it was like, oh, why didn't I think of that years ago? And I keep, you know, a Google Doc and files of my prayers now. And I will get up in the middle of the night and pull out that computer and pray to the Lord. And it has been so helpful for me. And I love to pray his word back to him. He loves that. Pray his word back to him. So this morning... I think what I was reading, it's kind of a blur right now. I'll take whatever I'm reading and I'll take the attributes of him that I read about in that passage and I will apply them to my prayer. I think I was reading in John about the gate. Jesus, he's the shepherd, he's the gate. He's the legitimate shepherd. Anything that climbs over the wall is illegitimate and dangerous for us. And so I just prayed, Lord, help me to remember to come in and out of the gate. like You go in the gate, and you're, you're safe, and you're saved. But you also go out of the gate, right? You go out of the gate to green pastures, and he leads you. All of these are really good, cool things. And I'm going to sit down for just a second as my head is a little dizzy, because you guys are making me dizzy. <laughs> I, know, I know. I don't know why. I know. Anyway, I just pray back to him then. You know, thank you, Lord, that you are my shepherd and that you lead me. So I just pray back what I've read. And then I pray through the Lord's Prayer each day that I pray. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, it's so easy for me. I'll pray, your kingdom come. What is in your kingdom today, Lord, that I need to see? I want to be ready. For whatever it is you're doing, I want to be part of it. If it's the grocery clerk, if it's um, one of my kids' teachers, if it's my next-door neighbor, however you're going to be kingdom-oriented today for your kingdom, for salvation, I want to be part of it. And then the ever-so-not-fun surrender. I surrender my will. Um, That would be great. Thank you. I surrender my will to you um, and... And it's your will, not mine, that I want for the day. So that's kind of how I do my prayer time after that. And then time with other moms, I love. I had a mom in Colorado that I would walk with. So we'd drop the kids at the school bus, and then we'd go for a walk. And we'd just walk and walk and walk with the dogs. And we would talk, and we would pray. And we had kids the same age. So that camaraderie of saying, hey, I do this. What are you doing? This is not working. How can you? What do you do? And sometimes, you know, I I would question: Should I let my kid watch this? And my friend Kristen would be like, No, don't let him watch that. Make him play Legos on the floor, or go down outside and play. Or and I just needed that "Mm," from her to have the courage to do it myself. So we shared in those together. So let me ask you then: What are you doing to fill up? On God, on God and your mothering. I mean, it, it spills out on what you do. Anybody? I'd yeah. like to make an observational comment that I always thought it was interesting that the moms groups, the moms clubs, only get you through the time where the kids go to school. Yeah. Um it's it's um it's always been a troubling um contradiction to me that sometimes as our kids get older they have different needs and right. they need each other just as much. Yeah. Right. You know, I I'm the mom of a high schooler and like yep. The high school groups are taken off from your churches and they need and you don't have a relationship with that youth pastor necessarily related mm-hmm. Currently at Mount Herman, the youth um, pastor's message, Mm -hmm. and when my daughter comes home and says, "Gosh, I wish you could have heard this, mom," Mm -hmm. it's a way for us to read. It's just very an interesting um, choice that we've made Mm -hmm. to only support those with young ones. Yeah, I know some churches have worked better at that. Thank you so much. Oh gosh, that's probably my ears are clogged, so I think that's part of it. I'm like. I'm good. I'll sit down if I have to. Yeah. Well, Well, I will. I know there's lots of medical care in this room. I know I'm good. I'm good. One thing I want to, one thing I should. like in my notes, I should know and say to you is there are times too, when as I am reading God's word, I want to teach my kids to do that. So they need to see me do it. You've heard that before, right? You set the example. Um, I did with Caleb, we did read through the Bible in a year when he was in middle school. And it's great reading because it's nonfiction and it, kids have a hard time with nonfiction. So, and it's historical, so they need to be reading that. And it was great till we got to Song of Solomon. <laughs> and then he didn't want to read out loud anymore. <laughs> and then at the very end, I took him to IHOP and we celebrated with a big stack of pancakes, you know? Yeah. After they, go to bed, they, don't, they, they don't see us to emulate that practice. Yeah. And I will say it's hard when you have more than one beca- or two because you're outnumbered. Yeah. And I have a friend who has a little guy. She can't take her eyes off of that guy, or he has broken something or fallen through something. I said boys are harder to keep alive. Mm-hmm. That would be him. So, yeah, modeling as best you can. Can I just give you the you're not going to be perfect at this? card? You're not, because there are seasons in life that we don't have the extra to give, and we just have to really depend on the Lord to sustain us through it. But if we're asking for his sustenance, I think that helps. And then I would say with prayer, um, it's so important Prayer is so important for our kids. And I know that you have heard this before from me if you've heard me teach, but there was a period of time when one of my girls was having an extremely rough time. And I went to one of my friends and I said, I think I need a good book on how to parent this type of personality because it's so opposite mine. And, um, or maybe just some time with a, you know, child counselor of some kind. And I said, do you have anybody like that? And she goes, oh, yeah, I have a great lady. She'll do just great for you. But she won't see you until you've spent 30 days on your knees at that child's bedtime bed while they're asleep. That's I'm like, duh. Like, God could fix this. <laughs> so you know what? I did. I spent 30 days at her bedside. And guess what? She was all better. No. Oh. <laughs> you guys are way too quick to pull on that. You better check what I say, okay? Seriously, she, um, she wasn't better, but I was. Mm-hmm. He, he changed my heart towards her. He made me realize that her personality, he gave her, and she's going to have it the rest of her life. And I'm going to have to learn how to mother her the best I can, although she's completely different than me. She's going to come up in more topics, Sarah, as we go. All right, so I love this this book. This is a great book called Upside Down Prayers for Parents. And this is the idea of praying really, this one has like 31 devotionals. There you go. You could get your scripture in and your prayer in. And it's really the thought of praying things for our kids that will build their character and build their stamina and build their love for God. And I guarantee you when you pray those, they will not be easy things for your kids, right? They're not protect them, keep them safe, all those prayers we moms pray. I think he's got that automatically, but it's the deeper things that he wants us to be praying for our kids and in their lives, and how we can walk beside them through those things. Not to fix them, but to help them. And then I'm going to, let's see. I love this quote. This was on the Arapaho High School, our kids' high school in Colorado. It was on the wall in the dining room, the dining hall, the cafeteria. (laughs) Where am I? Um, And it said, know what to do when you don't know what to do. And I love that statement, because if you're in God's word and you have spent time in prayer and you have taken the wise counsel of others as a mom, you will know what to do when you don't know what to do. You will, because it's that foundational thing and it's the very vibrance and power of the Holy Spirit inside of you that will teach you and tell you and point you in the right direction. We go way too far on our own human knowledge and natural ability. And he's given us that. I'll I'll give you that. He's given us that. But he's given us so much more than that. And we think, oh, i got to apply the empowering of the Holy Spirit in my own life in self-control and da-da-da. But really, he wants us to apply his power in all areas of our life. And being a good mom and working in those areas, that is... um, So important. And then I would also, I'm going to skip that one and go to Philip and follow. This whole idea for me, you know, Christianity is more than just a philosophy. It's a way of life. We can't confess our faith in worship services and then set it aside when we leave the building. Our faith goes with us, and it permeates our thoughts and actions every day of the week. Um, As Christians, we don't believe in a list of do's and don'ts. Do we? We're not supposed to. We don't. But our belief is in Jesus. I love that thought. Our belief, oop, let me go. Somehow I missed it. Well, I'll tell you, I'll I'll keep going here. Our belief is in Jesus. What did I do? Did I? mess up a page? Oh, I did. Okay. Sorry. Just off kilter a little bit today. Um, I'm going to come back to our belief in Jesus, but I want to talk quickly about this as we follow. We teach our kids to worship. We teach them to serve. We teach them to be missions-minded. Those are all things, and I hate to have to even say those things, but in today's culture, I feel like I need to say those things. Um, Worship is such an important thing for our kids to know and do, and that means they need to be in church. You know, the average Christian goes to church, takes their family to church twice a month. Twice a month is the average. Just a second, let me get through my thoughts. Twice a month, that is hardly... I mean, some months have three weeks, and they're still in going two. And the average Christian does most of their church on Facebook. I know. You just kind of. What? Facebook Live. They go on Facebook, and they watch their church online. Yeah. We do it when we're on vacation. Like, if we're on the road, we'll listen online. I listen to my son's convocation stuff at his college online, so I hear what he's hearing. But most Christians, not most—I sh- I shouldn't say that. I'm not going to categorize it. But a lot of Christians are just listening online because they don't want to get up, get their clothes on, and get to the building. Wow. So it's—it's—it wow. is sad, but so I'm just going to encourage you. If you do that, please don't. Please get them there. It's the whole fellowship with other believers and with people, and for them to hear God's word. And I—I I say this little quote. Um, what you feed them, they get used to. I used to have people say, I can't get my kids to church. They can't sit through church and Sunday school, you know, both. Or even just church. They can't sit through church. I'm like, do they go to school? You know, I just want to, you know. So I I always say, you know, talk to the hand. Because I'm a preacher's wife, and my kids were there from 7.30 to noon. And I had four of them, and I did it all by myself. Because for some reason, my husband wasn't around on Sunday morning. (laughs) Right? We could do it, and we have to do it, and we have done it. So yes? Mm-hmm. So I sort of stopped going. And then even, like, with their soccer things and all these things mm-hmm. going on, the pre- even the um, father would say, I understand. You have games. That's part of being in the family, and it's okay if you don't go to church. And we just didn't tell that much. And I also told them, you don't have to be in church to talk to God. So I don't have this clear picture as you guys, right. because I'm not raised with the same family. Right. And that's okay. You, you're, We can talk. We can talk about it. But I know there are a lot of people that don't have that or they don't have the support of their husband in it or whatever it is. But in your own conviction of who you are as a woman and as a follower of Jesus, you can't... I mean, there are so many things you can learn online today, but there is something about being in the fellowship of believers in God's house that is really critical. Okay, I'm going to keep going, okay? sorry, I'm sorry. It's, it's just... It's critical for your kids to learn who Jesus is in the church. Um, they, they need that foundation. And so many churches have great programs, like Awanas. I think about how many Bible verses my kids learned in Awanas. And they put God's word in their heart because they had to memorize them all. You know, There's all kinds of programs like that that are set to help your child move forward and learn to love Jesus at church. So if you can do that, great. Um, I know, like for us, sports is a hard thing, right? We have four kids, and Caleb was playing baseball, and I remember going to church one Sunday, and he came with us. And, And that was just our conviction that our priority was God first, and sports could be second or third, you know, after some other priorities, but we, We told them that, and he was at church on a Sunday morning, and this gentleman who knew him was part of the sporting area that we were in. He said to him, Caleb, what are you doing here? Don't you have a game today? And he said to him, God comes first. I'm here. And the man came back to Mike later and said to him, I got schooled by your kid today. like, And it really taught me something of priority and guess what? He still played baseball. He got plenty of baseball in. All right. The other thing I want to say is serve. Um, serve is a, teaching our kids to serve is a big thing. We I remember when our kids were little, we took them downtown Denver to the Kaya House, which was part of Open Door Ministries. And we brought dinner to make with these women. They were all, um, Open Door has like seven houses now, I think, um, where they help men and women come off the street and get their life back together. It's a two-year program. They, you know, they disciple them, all kinds of things. It's so cool. So we went to Kaya House, and it's for women coming off out of addictions. And these women, we, they made dinner with us, and then we did gingerbread houses because it was Christmas time. And I think they ate more of the candy than they got on the house. But some of them had never, ever done anything like that. They'd never had that hands-on, fun experience, you know. Aubrey played away in the manger on her clarinet, which probably drove them nuts. But we just loved on them. And I remember that. It was such a great memory to have my kids serve in that capacity. Well, I have to tell you, my daughter is 27, and she has now worked for five years straight at Open Door Ministries downtown Denver. And she has lived in the Gaia house, she has worked there, and now she raises money so people can support the ministry and help women and men come off the street. So it's this thing of, if you teach your kid how to serve, you're gonna be surprised because they're gonna keep serving, they do. And I think teaching your kid to serve in the church and love Jesus through the midst of it and not be legalistic about it, but lovingly encourage them to be a part of the body of Christ, I think it's such a cool thing that those kids statistically stay engaged in their faith as they become adults. Imagine that. You know, we we ask. Like, we see kids walking away all the time when they hit college. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. So my, my other thing was to believe in Jesus, teaching our kids about that, Um, We don't believe in a list of do's and don'ts. That's not what Christianity is about. It is about belief in Jesus, in who he is. He says these things. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And then you know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him so it's, it's teaching our kids the sense of who is Jesus, and we're going to believe in him. And part of believing in him is following him, right? We follow the steps that he leads us in. Um, every day, it's a personal following. And so my question is, is your relationship with Christ spilling out on your kids? And if so, how does it spill out? What are they catching? What do they see? What do they say about you to other people? Are they, are they catching Jesus in you, in your belief and your love for him? Not that you over-disciple them. You're still mom. You, know, you still have to lay down the law. Um, it may be that you don't have that daily walk with God or prayer time with God or you're not going to church or you don't follow in those ways. And then I say, hey, hit the restart. Hit the restart and find your, find your way, find your button, find your way to go. All right, I'm going to keep going here. I, I would say week one of camp, I talked about believing in Jesus. And I said that if there's anybody in here who that's just not your MO, you came to camp but you don't know him, come talk to me, and I say that today to you too. I would love to. I love, love, love people who are on their journey with Christ. They're trying to figure this out. Um, I had a lady come up week one, and she said, I'm a seeker. I have no idea who Jesus is. And I, we signed up because it looked like a fun place to come, brought their whole family, all three kids. None of them knew Jesus until the end of the week. Yeah, cool things happen here. And, and she was able to hit this restart and, and go with it. All right, I'm going to move on here. The next one is to talk and train. Talk and train. Talk with your children. Communicate. You can never over-communicate with your kids. My parents' generation didn't do it so well but I wanted to change that in my mothering, and I wanted to have conversations that felt free and natural and safe with my kids. And I'll tell you a mom fail, because that helps, I think. (laughs) Uh, It was, Megan and I were in the car, remember, guinea pig, right? She's my guinea pig. She's the firstborn. So she's in the back seat, buckled in, (coughs) and it was between third grade and fourth grade, because between third grade and fourth grade, they went from the primary playground to the secondary playground at their school. And I thought, now's the time. Mike and I had decided I would tell the girls about sex education, and he would tell the boys. He got one, I got three. (laughs) Not fair, right? And so we're in the car. She's buckled in the back seat. I don't really have to look her in the eye. (laughs) And I start telling her, because something came up about a period or something. Like, what is that? She wasn't at that stage yet. But we started talking about it. And I told her about, about sex while she was in the back seat. Mom fail, right? Because it should be eye to eye. It should be, yeah, kind of more natural. But that was my out. So we, we were on our way to the grocery store. So we go to the grocery store. We go through the checkout line. We get in the car. And she goes, Mom. So, do you think the checker behind the, the cashier lady, do you think she does it too? <laughs> so she's looking at every adult thinking, oh, 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 it's just mortifying to her. Oh, gosh, that was, yeah. I know, and later, you know, by child three, girl three, I had it figured out, I was doing better, and we were up on her bunk bed, and I had all the womanly goods on the bed to teach her, and talk about sex, and it was just far more natural with the third, I can't even remember the second, I'm sure her sister told her, but no, no, I think I told her, But I remember the girls coming in from youth group, and they ran in the door, and they saw what we were doing. And they climbed up the bed, and we're all on the top bunk talking about it. And they were laughing. And I thought, okay, yay, I'm done. And two, yay, this is all natural conversation in our house, which I wanted it to be, right? So that worked out really good. We need to ask our kids lots of good questions, lots of good questions. Um, not all accusatory question. What's a good question you could ask your kid? Not even related to sex ed, but just a good question you could ask them. Yeah? I, I always ask them how they feel about something.
1: Mm-hmm. Instead of me
0: telling them, I want to know where at, their perspective is. And I think it's good. Good. That's good. Yeah? What's the funniest thing that happened today? Yeah, what's a funny thing that happened today? Would what would you have done differently? Say that again. What would you know? What would you have done differently? Uh huh. What are you going to say? At dinner, we just do what's your rose and thorn? Rose and thorn. Yeah. That too, at time, yeah. We, we did highs and lows. The word when they were kids is like, what's the best thing, all the good things that happened, Or what's all the worst things happening? What's all the good things? That yeah. Do you hear everything at the table? Yeah. But then as you get older, you know, it's, Yeah. It's yeah. going forward. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. That's very good. Um, I like questions like, um, tell me about your friend Avery. What do you like about her? What's hard about her? What do you know about her family? Um, Just good questions as you keep diving in. Um, Keeping communication open and ongoing is really important. I, um... And it establishes this level of trust that we talked about physical sexual things with our kids. I remember sitting on the porch swing with Megan the guinea pig. (laughs) You're gonna see her someday and you're gonna, oh you're Megan the Guinea Pig. And just remembering, you know, I said, so how's it going? She was dating Eric at the time. I'm like, how's it going? Like, how's the physical going? Are you staying out of dark places? Are you (laughs) you know, and she's like, Yes, mom, and she and but she's all, you know, I'm struggling with this or this is going okay. And had I not had conversations to build up to that, it's hard to dive in. But if you're in a place where you just need to dive in, dive in. It's for the sake of your kid, right? And then I want to just challenge you on this. You need to be the one who asks the hard questions at the dinner table in regards to your kid's faith. You need to be the one. Why Jesus? Why should we follow Jesus? Those questions that they're going to hear from that freshman college professor that's going to knock the foundation out of them, you need to ask those questions before they leave your home. And you need to be thinking through the apologetics of God's Word so that you can present them to them so they know the answers. How is the Bible put together? Why is it truth? How can you take the four Gospels, just the four Gospels, and prove that they are true, they are real history, that Jesus really did walk this earth, that he really did die for us, and come back to life? How can you prove that? How many copies are there? All those kind of things. It's not hard to find that information. But you start asking the hard questions and watch your kids rise up to answer them in a safe and godly environment and you're going to you're going to set your kids up for success when they leave and go to college or they might even have a high school professor Caleb was at a round table in history in his IB class here at Scott's Valley High School and the issue came up of women's rights and so it, she puts the issue on the board and then The round table is there, and anybody who wants to have a voice in the discussion comes up and sits at the table. And there's the hot seat, (coughs) one hot seat. And so you, you could choose if you want to be the advocate or the devil's advocate to sit in the hot seat. Well, she said women's issue. And he knew what was coming with the whole issue of abortion. And so he went and sat in the hot seat automatically. And the only reason he could do that is because he knew what his stuff was. He knew his answers. And he had girls say, it's my body. I can choose to do what I want with my body. I don't want the government to tell me what I can do and not do with my body. And Caleb says to the table, all right, fine, do you eat food at the, from the grocery store? Well, yes. Okay, you do know that the food that we have, the drugs that we use, have all been approved through the government, right? The FDA. You can't take a drug that hasn't been approved, right? Yes, you know that's true? In our country. country. Well, he's in our country. So, and And then he said, you ride your bike, you have to wear a helmet. You have to put a helmet on your physical body. The government tells you you have to do that, right? You get in a car. You have to wear a seat belt. The government tells you you have to do that. It's like, why does the government tell us these things? Because they protect life. And that's what we're saying with the right to life is that, so he went on his whole argument with her forward. You can kind of see. But had he not been prepared ahead of time, he wouldn't have sat at the table and had an intelligent discussion Now, I do have to say, he learned a lot of that on his own. (laughs) We didn't teach him, but he figured it out on his own because we've encouraged our kids to learn those things and to be able to speak for them, for Jesus. Anyway, all right, I'm going to move on. How am I doing on time? I'm okay here. All right. Each child's going to look different too. I've said that before. They're all different shades, right? One of our kids, Aubrey, the middle one I haven't talked about a lot, she was the quiet one. It took hours to dig from her uh, things to say. But once you got her open, then you got a whole bunch. And her best time to talk to us, to communicate with her, was a drive on the freeway at 10 o'clock at night where she drove. Yeah? She was getting her driver's training hours. You know, They have to have so many night hours. We put her behind the wheel, get on the freeway, and go. And she loved that. And she would just open up. Just floods would come out. Car rides are good because they're buckled in. And they're really good if you drive. Sometimes when your kids drive, it's a whole different (laughs) ball game. I tried to listen and hold on as I went. Then I want to talk about training and, and training in the sense of image. There's a lot to say about image with our kids. Anybody have teenage girls that are working with image or boys? Okay, nobody? I used to. Yeah, yeah. And and you will as you raise little ones, you know. Why do you need courage to train their image? Because it's more than just the outer body, right? We have the outer body image, but there's the whole inner body image and their mind and their heart. And training them to be in the image of a woman and an image of a man, that's a big deal these days. And I just have this little caveat, okay? There's so much confusion with the topic of gender today. And some of you might have a child who's choosing what they want to be. And I'm going to say if that's your story, then encourage, I'm going to encourage you to love them with lots of grace and lots of mercy. They need to see Jesus. They need to see that they are loved and that he loves them. And as a parent, you're that direct route for them first and foremost. But also model what good, healthy living is and what it means to be a woman of God or what it means to be a man of God. Those are really important traits for them. Um, Here's a great and a a careful study of God's word. I find the church is more divided on this than, than our culture is. Uh, this is a great book. I, Mike's read the whole thing. I've read a piece of it. But People to be Loved by Preston Sprinkle. Isn't that a great name? And it, it does the whole gender, transgender, homosexuality, the whole nine yards. And you won't know what he believes until almost the very end of the book, which is amazing. And he gives great principles of truth with Grace. It's a great book on that. So if that's your boat then, or if you just are interested in that. But I'm gonna take it from, we have boys, we have girls, okay? And I'm gonna say that boys image, they a lot of them can be late bloomers. Like Caleb grew seven inches in one year. I mean, seriously, that's like that much, right? In one year. And they're like grabbing their legs at night. And it's just it was amazing. And it's hard to get boys to take a bath sometimes. You know, some of those things is we moms encourage them towards I know she's back there shaking her head like oh. But my boy took more baths than my girls did. Like he was far cleanlier. I, my cat is so easy, I just have to say. Oh my gosh. I know. No mine, they the greasy hair thing, you know, oh, he was so much cleaner. Um, the girl's physical image, I would just boys to me, it's a little bit easier. I loved Rebecca was telling me we, she has three boys, boom, 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 and they're not, they're almost similar in heights. And they don't really have their own clothes. They're all all the clothes are in there. Just go pick out a t-shirt and a pair of shorts because they'll fit, you know, a little different on each one, but I'm like, you are so lucky. <laughs> you know, with the girls, it's a little bit different. Yeah, a lot of it different. But uh, with, uh, with girls, physical image is a big thing. And um, it's important, it seems that it's more important to them than it should be. But. Uh, it's the reverse problem, the one that doesn't, and you want it to be. Yeah. You know, it's it healthier and less, but then to I'm like a grown woman. But just, you know, eat less. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna talk about that. That's good. Yeah, we they all come in different shapes and sizes, right? Um, I think it's hard with physical image as we train our girls. I my my goal is to train them to be healthy, you know, healthy, eat healthy. We'd always say when they come to Mount Herman, you have to have something green on your plate, and Jello doesn't count. <laughs> Yeah, not that we have jello anymore, but that was a big thing for me. Like you have to eat something green. And and my son still, yellow is the color choice. Mac and cheese, pasta, whatever, you know, filling up on those carbs. But with girls, my my caution to you is words. Be careful with how you speak about their image with them. Because how many of you have a mom who has said something to you that it has stuck? Yeah. Yeah, me too. And it's really hard. Even as an adult, I still remember those things. So you have to be careful on their image. And my take on that also is don't worry about them measuring up to their peers. That's a dangerous place to go. Um, I remember, do you remember when pants were really, really low? (laughs) So low. And Mike would say to me, they can't wear them that low. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't find any that are higher. So at that point, we made a swap, and he takes the girls shopping for clothes. And it was the most enlightening thing for him. <laughs> it was really good. So he came up with the longer tankini thing that went over the belly, all of that. So that was really helpful. He also would take him prom dress shopping. And I would try to give him a hint, like, this is better than this, you know? We had some that were well-endowed, let's just say. I don't know where they got it from, but it wasn't me. And, and I, they struggle with that to this day on how to wear things, right? And so he took them prom dress shopping, and they come out with a dress, and he goes, does that come with a turtleneck? <laughs> you know, so fun. But they still, they still will send their dad's pi- dad pictures. Dad, what do you think of this dress? You know, because not just for the modesty thing, but their his opinion matters to them on all of that. So, yeah. Well, we're all in different situations. Yeah, yeah. My girls take my husband shopping, too, because he'll take the cool factor from them, but not from me. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, we also have a rule on shirt heights. So we, we call certain shirts bow-wow shirts. Some of you have heard this from me before. If you bow and I say, wow, you're not allowed. <laughs> so we, he'll say, that's a bow-wow shirt. Go put something else on. So we, we love that one, too. So we love that dad takes some of that role. I Well, it depends. Some do. I know. There we go. But you're welcome to use anything, right? All right. I have to say on physical image, too, um, and I say this because this is me, I have to be very careful that I don't project my self-image stuff on my girls. It's really hard, moms, isn't it? To not do that. We just, we can't do that. Um, Healthy, it's just about being healthy. And there's, you can be a little chubby and be healthy. Mm -hmm. And you can be heavy chested and be healthy. (laughs) And, you know, and then our prayers go for self control, for the issues that drive what the image looks like. And then not comparing to others, but really wanting your girls to be. godly women and to reflect that I have two brand new believers who they're just amazing and one of them said I I was all about the stuff it make it bigger lift it up show a little and then I found Jesus and it was like I didn't want to do that anymore and then it's like why tell me why I didn't want to do that anymore like she couldn't even figure out the transformation in her own head And it's like all of a sudden your worth in who you are as a person becomes so much more important than how you show yourself, you know, the inner qualities. And that would be the verse, right? You should clothe yourself instead with a beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. We teach our girls how to do that. A great verse on that or passage is Psalm 139. I love walking my girls and and son through Psalm 139, where it just talks, we put it into how God knows us. He goes before us. He goes after us. He's with us. He knows when we rise up, when we sit down. But really, it talks more about God. Who is God? God is the one who goes before us. What an amazing God we have, that he, he will touch us on the shoulder and hold us because we belong to him. It's amazing. And how can we teach value and image, our, our heart image to our girls and boys from this passage to our teenage kids? I, I remember having writing it out and having my kids fill in their own name and, or walking it through with them and praying it over them. The last area I want to hit is the tongue. It doesn't really fit image, but it kind of does. Training the tongue. Have you ever gotten yourself in trouble because of your tongue? Something you said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah today? Yes. Today. Yes. Um, our example as moms is our—it's um, our training of our kids, and I think about that quite often. If—if if they overhear you on the phone gossiping about a friend, it's pretty easy to do, isn't it? It's so easy to do. Or even to your husband about something that you think wasn't done your way or whatever. And then there's the whole thing of tone of voice. Anybody? Have you ever had to hit your kid for their tone of voice? Like, don't say that that way to me. Where do you think they learn tone from? (laughs) How we speak to our husbands really matters because they pick up on all of that. And then you'll hear them from the mouths of babes. It comes out. And you just have to wonder, where are they hearing that from? So that's just courage to you to listen to your own voice. Listen to what you're saying. Listen to how you're saying it. That's really important. And then I'm going to say this, too. You can hit the restart button at any time on that. Like, ooh, I shouldn't have processed that out loud. Like, that wasn't my story to tell. And I'm sorry, and I was wrong, and I actually sinned, that S word. I actually sinned against God when I said that. So I'm asking your forgiveness, too, as you are transparent with your kids and communicating. That's so important. And then lastly, as we wrap up here, that was, is, is the listen and love. Did I miss it somehow? No? Listen and love. Um, Listening to our kids is really, I want to give you courage to listen better than you do. With Caleb, I would tell him, Caleb, you can come up to me at any time and grab my chin and lift up my eyes and say you are not listening. And he's 6'2 now, so he has to reach down, lift my head up. But there are times when he says something and I'm not listening. I'll listen to 10% just so I get enough to be able to say, uh-huh, oh, yeah, you know? And I have one kid in particular who is a verbal processor. Oh. So, oh, yeah. That's the opposite. Oh, yes. <laughs> and they say this thing, and then they say it again this way, and they say it again this way, and then they say it again the same way they said it at the beginning. And an hour later, you're, you know, you've been listened out, right? And um, I have learned, she has told me before, you probably, you just don't listen to me. You wanna fix it. I just want you to listen. Have you heard that? I just want you to listen. They're giving you clear communication there. I just want you to listen. And I had a mom last week, we talked about this. I love, she's one of my friends, and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what I've had to learn. Sometimes I just have to zip it. I can't fix it. I need to then pray, Lord, can you fix this? I know you can. Or can you help her with this? Or I pray that her understanding of who you are through this will change. That becomes the conversation instead of this way. As she's speaking it to me, it becomes this conversation with the Lord is so much more helpful. And I listen. But we have our—we have talked about our limits. Like, I cannot listen for an hour. But if you could tell me in this amount of time, you need to know that my gift is listening for 10 minutes. And then I'm going to move on to something else in my head, if you even get 10 minutes. I mean, I really try 10 minutes. But we have an open communication on that. And she knows she's a verbal processor. But I can't fix her. Um, she got she was home over Christmas break and ended up having um, an appendicitis ended up in the hospital for two weeks so she didn't get to go back to school because she had to heal and then have her appendix out later and I had we were going to do weight watchers together we were going to go on walks I wanted her in a Bible study with people her own age and I wanted her to you know get a job and she's 22. That's funny because she's an adult, okay? She's 22. And she said to me, Mom, I am not your project. I'm like, Oh, yeah. (sighs) Okay. But I I just wanted to help her be a better person. But I find that my prayers are far more effective than my tongue. I know, it's just a hard one as a mom to learn. Here's something that may be helpful for you. Because this was, um, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. That's from James. I'm skipping a little, sorry. Uh, I love that. I love those thoughts. As we listen, be slow to speak, and slow to anger. Have you ever had your kids say something that triggers anger in you? Yeah. And you're like, where did that come from? Or I know exactly where that came from. Yeah. That's true. And, and we tell them they can, and they can do whatever they want when they are financially um, on their own. Exactly. But they are not at this point in life, right? Um, this is a, a book someone recommended to me. I've not read it. It's called Triggers, and it's exchanging, parent, or a, exchanging Parents' Angry Reactions for Gentle Biblical Responses. So I don't know if it's good or not, but I thought it was interesting, an interesting title of when things trigger in us something in response to our kids. And then I would say to you, if you have not been a good listener, as you're finishing taking a picture of that, you can hit restart. It's It should be a grace button, right? It's our restart. Grace button. We can hit a grace button. Um, and because of time, I'm going to skip over. And I just want to remind you, courage you need courage. You need courage to believe in Jesus and live out your faith with conviction towards your children. That's kind of my whole premise. And I love First um, Corinthians 13 when I put in the word mother because it really made sense to me, more so of how a mother's love is patient. It resists saying, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> Did you ever say that to your kids? Maybe. A mother's love is kind. It's taking up a snack to the teenager who procrastinated studying and is pulling a late-nighter. And instead of being on them like, you should have done this, it's taking up a snack and saying, I hope you get it done. They will not die if they do not go to sleep that night. Well, maybe they will, but it does not envy or boast, and it isn't proud. How many times have you turned dirty socks right side out after they've gone through the laundry and all the grass still falls out. You know, it's not proud. We serve our kids and we love them. Yeah. Um, It doesn't dishonor others. There's the tongue thing. No gossip. Your tone of voice. It isn't self-seeking or easily angered. It focuses on listening and on truly hearing their needs and not trying to fix them. And it keeps no record of wrongs. There's no resentment with your kids. They, ask for, they can ask for forgiveness of you at any time, right? I hope so. Because you're a picture, as we heard this morning, of a Father to them. And we want them to come and give their stuff to us so we can forgive them. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. We want a clean slate. And it drives us to our knees for them all the time. And we rejoice when they do good things, not the bad things. We train them. And it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. A mom's love never fails, that's for sure. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the moms that came today. And I pray, Father, that you would... um, just give us the courage that we need to be moms who really trust you when we don't know what's ahead and we don't know what's coming. And um, we just want to put our faith deep in you and ask for your peace and ask that when we make mistakes, we don't kill ourselves or get mad at ourselves or just beat ourselves up so we don't have the courage to keep going, but that we just keep taking those steps forward. Loving on these people that you have given us that are yours to train them to love you. That's what we want to do well, Lord. Thank you. In your name I pray.